1: hi kiki come along you belong feel the fizz
0: oh i think we've lost her kiki you okay
1: i i mean i mean hi hi tuesday
0: okay (laughs) but before we get to that we finally got our first trailer for thor love and thunder Oh, oh, sweet
1: child of mine! It is awesome. <laughs> Immediately on Twitter, Taika was like, "This is it! This is the whole movie! This is all you're getting!" Shut up. <laughs>
0: yeah, because for for weeks, people have been saying, "Where's the Thor and Love and Thunder trailer? Where's the Thor weeks? trailer?"
1: It's been like months. I think they've been bugging him for this trailer for like since the last Thor movie came out. Like poor guy. Ha- None of them, none of you have have learned a dang
0: thing from the whole Spider-Man No Way Home trailer fiasco. Months and months of asking words, the Spider-Man trailer words, the Spider-Man trailer. People who work at Sony losing their jobs because they recorded an unfinished uh, effects version of the trailer and put it on the internet. It's like, hold on, the the trailer will come out when it comes out. And now we have a Thor trailer. One of the one of the things I've noticed, and uh, we've been noticing it a lot in these Phase 4 projects, comic book accurate Thor outfit. Yeah. Right at the beginning, we see, I, I assume it's teenage Thor wearing the comic book accurate Thor costume. Because we've seen the comic book accurate Loki costume in the Loki series. WandaVision gave us the comic book accurate Wanda and Vision costumes. I, 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 I like this.
1: Not More that episodes. I don't like the redesigned film versions, mm-hmm. because sometimes when you're doodling things for a comic book, uh, you're not really thinking about, oh, crap, a real human might have to put this on someday. So I, I get that I get that redesigns for actual human anatomy <laughs> have have to be done. um as any cosplayer who has ever tried to put one of those designs onto their body is well aware, but it is cool to see them go back and be like, no, let's, let's do the actual, you know, as, as close as possible representation. Hmm. Um, so I always, I always like going back and doing those, those throwbacks as accurately as possible. There are a couple of things in the trailer that I loved and a couple of things that, yeah. The thing that I was like, I knew it was going to happen, but you kind of sad to see it go is uh, we got that whole workout section where it's like, we're getting rid of dad bod Thor. Going back to super ripped Thor.
0: We're going to have a montage.
1: Yeah, going to have a montage.
0: I want that Strongest Avenger trucker hat that Thor wears in that workout montage.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that is that is definitely a look. Uh, <laughs> the Thor trucker hat look. You know, they've got the reveal when he comes out and he like, throws off that coat or whatever, and it's like, ha ha, I'm ripped Thor again! On the other end of that, when you've got that Shane Foster as Thor reveal at the end. Oh, we yeah. We got to talk about that. Can we just talk about Natalie Portman's arms?
0: I don't know if those are her, her real arms or are those prosthetics.
1: Yeah, I'm not I, sure. I, I, I don't know what's going on there, but um, also a look, and I'm not hating it. It's not. it doesn't look overdone. Girl went and worked out a little bit. You She's know. toned. She's toned. Loving Uh, the look of Reforged Mjolnir, by the way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Available soon at your local retailer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I would very much like a screen-accurate prop of that, by the way. Speaking of things I loved, uh, can we talk about Valkyrie in that suit?
0: King Valkyrie. Fire! It looks like it's some sort of diplomatic meeting, probably the UN, and she looks bored out of her mind
1: as she should be that looks beneath her but that suit does not look beneath her that suit is so good i'm digging that it it's not really like a plot heavy trailer we do we do see the guardians i'm kind of hoping the guardians aren't going to be in this too much like it's nice to see them there cuz that's where we did leave thor of course mm-hmm.
0: ravager thor as i'm calling him cuz he has that 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 jeans and vest look he's definitely uh his new look is definitely inspired by hanging out with star lord
1: yeah he's got the red leather going on yeah. Yeah. it's it seems like wherever star lord's been shopping he's probably <laughs> dipped into that same boutique space ears <laughs> <laughs> no that looks that looks a little a little bit it's like space hot topic ah you know <laughs> The thing is, is that it, it looks like they've had a, some sort of adventure there that's jogged Thor out of whatever depression he was in. But he also seems to not want to fight anymore. He even says he just
0: wants to live a life at peace. But something happens that snaps him out of that funk and gets him working out again and apparently hanging out on Olympus. Because we see Zeus.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting now that we're bringing other pantheons into it because for it's so like, long MCU was just Norse mythology.
0: I mean, we have an entire show about Egyptian gods now.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, Moon Knight is very much, hey, Egyptian gods. Uh, Do we want to talk about that that teaser poster that dropped today as we are recording this?
0: So yeah, the day the yeah the day the trailer came out, we saw this really sweet poster of Thor. He's on a mountain. He's in that Ravager outfit. He's holding up Stormbreaker, very much you know He-Man like. And the, the 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 poster says the one and only Thor. As we are recording this, another poster dropped with Jane on the rocks holding the rock in a holding Mjolnir up in a very He-Man She-Ra position. With the tagline, the one is not the only Thor.
1: Yeah, which I I love that poster. It's such a good poster.
0: It is. It's, it's really cool.
1: I am psyched to see this movie. You are psyched to see this movie. I
0: am. I'm ready to see this movie. Uh, I'm ready for something at the end of Doctor Strange to lead into this. I'm ready for something at the end of Moon Knight to lead into this. Again, we haven't seen either one yet. So... Yes, give me more.
1: Yeah, I, I am, I am still one hundred percent on the side of please inject MCU into my veins all make day, mine every Marvel. day.
0: Seriously, yep. make mine Marvel. Tiki. they say that sometimes some crimes you know, they go slipping through the cracks, but there are these two gumshoes that are picking up the slack because there is no case too big no case too small what when you, you need help just, help, just talk. T- 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 Yes, Kiki, we are taking one more dive into the Disney afternoon with Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Ah, it feels good to get back into the Disney afternoon.
1: I love me some Disney afternoon. It sort of
0: continued the trend that started with DuckTales of taking well-established Disney characters and having them as stars of a show for kids. I mean. Chip and Dale. They've been around since the 40s. One of the cornerstones. Of the classic Mickey and Friends characters.
1: I just mm-hmm. want to say. Uh, mm-hmm. While while we're mentioning DuckTales. Uh, just yesterday. As we're recording this. Friend of the show Ken Plume. Uh, announced that he has written. A book on the art. Of the new DuckTales series. The most recent one, um, it is now available for pre-order. So uh, go look that up. Uh, Art Art of Ducktales, uh, Ken Plume. He he does such incredible podcasts and produces such incredible podcasts. Uh, not not ours, unfortunately, but uh, you know we don't hold that against him. <laughs> but uh, he his uh, Art of uh, Venture Brothers book is uh, amazing as well. And now he's done one on the updated Ducktales series Um,
0: updated ducktales which featured pretty much every disney afternoon character ever including the rescue rangers
1: including the rescue rangers so but just wanted to to mention that and give them a plug if you like uh behind the scenes books like that uh go look it up and pre-order it chip and dale though like ducktales pulling from older characters because chip and dale were not created for the show
0: despite what the movie trailer lets you believe
1: yeah it's slightly problematic
0: yeah chip and dale been around since the 40s and to take these well-known established characters and put them into this this world where now they're crime solvers let's let's dress chip and dale out of two of the most popular 80s franchises in the world indiana jones and magnum pi one of those is a thing
1: people still remember. (laughs)
0: <laughs> One of those things is a thing Disney owns.
1: Well, now, yeah.
0: I mean, I get the Indiana Jones thing, but and I get that Magnum PI was like the big popular cop show of the era, so why not have that influence? But it's just a, such a clash in 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 uh in styles in terms of clothing.
1: But it does kind of fit their personalities. I mean, Dale is kind of the the laid back you know the 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 hawaiian shirt and the the kind of uh goofing off uh style kind of fits him uh which was more magnum's style and then chip is fits along more with the indiana jones swashbuckler, but also more academic, more logical, think it through, more responsible. Um, so I I can see where, you know, you would think, well, visually the, the style clashes, but also in the original cartoons, when you're going back to the 40s, The only thing you can use, really, to tell Chip and Dale apart is one of them has a red nose. And the teeth. Well, yeah, and the teeth. But it's not a very visually distinctive style. Mm -hmm. And when you're dealing with, you know, quick moving action and little kids, you really do need something more visual. Whenever I'm watching the old Chip and Dale cartoons, I never know which is which. But Rescue Rangers, I can keep them apart very easily. So
0: We've talked about this, Kiki. Uh, you did not grow up with the Disney Channel. I did. Chippendale Rescue Rangers first showed up in the spring of 1989 on the Disney Channel. Which pretty much every Disney afternoon cartoon did. With the exception of DuckTales and Gummy Bears. Because they were already on TV at the time. So, yeah, I got to see Rescue Rangers before most people did because I got to see it on the Disney Channel. The entirety of season one aired in in the spring of 1989. By the time we get to the fall, Chippendale Rescue Rangers uh, goes, goes into network syndication. And at the time, it was mostly bundled up with DuckTales. So if th- there's a chance that in your area you probably saw DuckTales and, Chip and Dale back-to-back on weekday afternoons or weekday mornings or whatever, uh, this was pre-Disney afternoon. So this was the only other show to be pre-Disney afternoon. I, I don't know if you remember that or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, my, my memory is a little fuzzy on exactly what went with what and when. But... Probably, you know, I I generally in my memory think of Ducktales and Rescue Rangers together, or maybe Tailspin.
0: Well, tail, Tailspin didn't come around until till the next year.
1: But you know, like I said, it's all kind of a a fuzzy jumble.
0: Rescue Rangers was so so synonymous with the Disney afternoon. A lot of people just think of it was there at the beginning. That's when I first saw it. Which is fair. It wasn't be until the fall of the following year, 1990, where the Disney Afternoon would start and it would get Tailspin and that would be the first four shows, which, you know, Gummy Bears, DuckTales, Chippendale, and Tailspin. When Chippendale from Rescue Rangers first aired in syndication, what was seen was technically, we talked about this with, with Darkwing Duck, technically the first episodes to air in syndication were considered season two. And that started with the five-parter Rescue Rangers to the rescue. We are not talking about those episodes in this podcast right now.
1: A lot of people asked us to do the first episode, and that's probably what they were thinking of. Mm -hmm. But we did do the actual first episode to air. Sorry if you know, you were expecting one thing and, and got another, but that's what we decided to go with because we wanted to talk about where the show actually started.
0: Disney Plus has the entire series, which officially was separated as three seasons as one giant 65-episode season, and it's clear that the quality had been remastered. It's definitely sharper than I remember it being back in the day. But for some reason, they have decided to crop this into widescreen format. Why? Disney Plus, why?
1: Yeah, it's, once again, it's kind of running into the Simpsons problem. Yeah. Not as bad. The only it, bad part it, is
0: you can't switch it.
1: Yeah. It's it's not as bad viewing-wise. I think a lot of the... Visual quality problems that you have are artifacts of this was made in the 80s slash early 90s on a Disney afternoon budget. So I'm I'm not really blaming the quality on the aspect ratio transfer or anything like that, but I. Would prefer, and I think a lot of people who actually care about media would prefer to, if you're not going to do a a specific remaster transfer, to just leave it in the original aspect ratio, in the original state as best you can when you're Porting it over digitally.
0: Also they. Painstakingly went through all of these episodes. And cut out the commercial break prompts. Like yeah.
1: Sometimes it's a little jarring actually.
0: I noticed it with the. With with one of these episodes. um, Where it's very obviously. A cut to commercial break. And all of a sudden there's no fade out. But the voices just stop. And the music just stops. The animation keeps going. Into what would have been the return from commercial break, and then the voices and music start up again.
1: And one time it was a little jarring to me because a character repeats a line twice, and I went, wait, didn't they just say that? And then I went, oh, wait, that's the cut back in from commercial where they're reminding you what just happened. Because, you know, a lot of the older kids shows will do that where it'll be like, and now you die, and then it'll go, da-da-da, and then fade out to commercial, and then it'll fade back in, and it'll go, and now you die, and then it'll, you know, to be like, hey, kids, remember this just happened a minute and a half ago? Um And it's also for the
0: kids who are flipping through TV and, oh, here's a cartoon. Oh, oh
1: wait, Rescue Rangers is on. Oh, they're about to die. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But when you're doing that, and there's no, and you cut out that fade out, fade back in thing, it's just a character going, and now you die, and now you die, <laughs> and it sounds like a record skip or something. Yeah, um, it
0: sounds like something's wrong, but yeah, that's that them eliminating that that, that fade out.
1: But yeah, it's, it's bizarre, and again, maybe don't do that, just... Just preserve the media. Let's talk about um, our our cast here. It's going to be really quick because it's a incredibly small cast, and we have talked about all of them before.
0: Yeah, this is a cast of four voice actors doing all of the characters. Yeah,
1: basically, is- we we have we have a couple of people who pop in now and again for you know a a guest spot, but. Your your basic cast um is four people pretty much. Let's let's start
0: with uh Tress McNeil as Chip and Gadget. And Tress McNeil, you you know, she's a legendary voice actor. She's Dot Warner in Animaniacs and countless other characters.
1: Babs Bunny, Tiny Toon Adventure, there's and definitely
0: some, there's definitely some Babs Bunny in Gadget.
1: I hear I hear dot more when I hear gadget to be honest um but you know we talked about her on Sim, uh, Simpson's the Simpson's episode and of course she did uh she's been doing Daisy Duck for ever for Disney yeah. um as well so you know we, but yeah we we've, we've talked about her a lot we've talked about all these people a lot so um they're they're not going to to be uh, new. Yeah, Corey
0: Burton as Dale and Zipper.
1: Yeah. Um. We have we have talked about uh, Corey as well because he is the current voice of Captain Hook. Um. So we we talked about him. Uh. When we talked about there, he uh is also the uh animated voice of Count Dooku and Cad Bane. Uh, Over for Star Wars. But yeah, so lots and lots of work for uh, Disney. Um, We just talked about Alice in Wonderland last week, and he does uh, White Rabbit and uh, Mad Hatter. um, Currently, yes, currently. Currently for um, them, and uh, uh, lots, lots of other uh, voice work for Disney. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. just everywhere. Um, Monterey,
0: Monterey Jack has two voice actors. For season one, he was voiced by Peter Cullen, a.k.a. Optimus Prime. And in season two onward, he was voiced by Jim Cummings, a.k.a. Darkwing Duck, a.k.a. Bonkers, a.k.a. every other character in the Disney Afternoon.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, d- d- Jim Way Cummings is just yeah. in-, in inescapable. So, uh... We we talk about him every time we talk about anything animated for Disney. Uh, he's just everywhere. Um, so yeah, and he uh, Jim Cummings also does uh, like uh, Fat Cat in here as well. I believe he also does
0: Professor Nimno, and those are the two main villains throughout the series. So pretty much every other episode is either going to be featuring Fat Cat or Professor Nimno. Mostly likely because they already have Jim Cummings in the booth.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of our cast. Yeah. that That's it. And we have uh, a couple of people who pop in now and again for various uh, bits. Uh, dur- during the episodes we'll talk about, you get your Rob Paulson popping up. Uh, As he does through a lot of these episodes, because Rob Paulson just pops up in everything.
0: Rob Um, Paulson and Tress McNeil voicing characters in a cartoon? Never, that'll never work.
1: Yeah, um, for one of the episodes, we get Cindy McKay. She did a a lot of work with Disney, um, especially for Chip and Dale and uh, the Timon and Pumbaa series. Uh, Later on. Um, We get Danny Gans. Coming in later. uh, To do a couple of voices. For one of the episodes we talk about. So you know. It's kind of just. The usual Disney Afternoon. Suspects. Mm -hmm. So nobody that we really haven't. Talked about before.
0: So the first episode. We're going to talk about. Is the very first episode. That ever aired. The first episode ever produced. That would be Pirate Sea Under the Seas, which aired on the Disney Channel on March 4th, 1989, making this the first ever aired episode of Chippendale Rescue Rangers. So the point of this episode, they discover a sunken pirate ship, but you would think that a big city would have knowledge of a sunken pirate ship in the middle of their water.
1: You think that, but we keep... Finding random stuff off the coast of cities.
0: So yeah, the point is they find a sunken pirate ship and it's filled with pirates. Rat pirates. Who claim to be the rats of the pirates that lived there previously. And then they have been guarding this pirate treasure for 200 years waiting for their captain to come back.
1: This has to be, what, like 150,000 generations of rats that have been guarding this treasure? like, And apparently one rat that
0: has actually known the captain. Rats don't live that long. But, like, the cartoon for kids, so... Eh. Yeah. So, yeah, they uh, they are under this... And they've never known the outside world. Like they said, they've lived there their whole lives—two hundred years of generations of rats guarding this treasure. And they want, oh hey, you're here with us now, Chippendale. Why don't you join our pirate group? Why don't you? Why don't you be our leader this week, and we can do our weekly treasure hunt and find the. The treasure, which is just let's go around the ship and find the room where the treasure has been in for two hundred years. And as this is happening, they the the pirates are. It's the this episode kind of flip flops on their relationship with Billy the
1: Squid. I love Billy the Squid. Why, why name a squid after a? cowboy
0: when you're dealing with pirates because it's funny. I like I know this episode straight up shows you Gadget's ingenuity as she just takes this garbage and makes a makeshift submarine out of it.
1: Yeah, it's it's really it's really cute. But my my favorite part is that Monterey Jack pretends to be the Pirate Captain Long Lost Lafitte.
0: It's even questioned if Long Lost Lafitte was a human or a rat. Yeah. Because they said earlier that they are the rats of the original pirates. Yet they also recognize a mouse as their captain. Uh But
1: I'm going to say he was a mouse because his big guarded treasure is the big wedge of cheese at the end.
0: 200 year old cheese
1: yeah but i love that they turn zipper into a parrot
0: yeah they glue some feathers on him
1: um and then they're like well why is he so tiny well he's sick (laughs) um i like how they
0: have the old mouse kind of says well the the captain had a had a had a had a had a wink in his eye he was short He only had one leg. No, the other leg. That's the captain. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he knew that this wasn't the real captain, but he's going to play along anyway.
1: The thing is, is I I like that Monterey gives his, like, improv skills in this. It, It does really a good job throughout the entire episode of showing each member of the gang and how they contribute.
0: One of, you know, Monty has had a lot of gags in, in the series. Again, there's the cheese addiction, but it's also that he is an adventurer. He has been all over the world, and he has had all of these adventures. Whether they're actual adventures or he's just pulling things out of his tail, it's never really sure in the series.
1: Well, Monty is the only one who... Like, eventually in the series, you meet Monty's parents, and they are legit adventurers. While each individual story he tells may not be the 100% truth, like, there's always a bit where you're like, well, he's probably stretching the truth on that. But it does seem like he did go adventuring with his parents, because when we meet his parents, they are adventurers. It does seem like there is at least a kernel of truth to his stories.
0: Yeah, and of course, as a, as it's been the, the big running gag throughout this, this entire series, what gets them in trouble is Monty's cheese addiction. And when anyone says the word cheese, or whenever he smells the word cheese, his mustache twirls, his eyes bug out, and he goes, cheese. <laughs> Monty, have a problem.
1: You know they they do get into that in at least one of the episodes. Yeah, there's a few episodes that
0: deal where where it's definitely something that he needs to overcome. But we need to go back to square one at the end of the episode because we need to make 65 of these. The, but the the infamous you know walking across the plank sword thing is 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 in this one. This is where I noticed the commercial break part as uh as um as the pirates are are saying you know. Now it's time for you to walk the plank, and then all of a sudden the vo- their is cut out, the music cut out, but the animation keeps going. This is where I noticed, oh, they cut out the commercial break, but must, it's a it's a great final, you know, they get out of it. It's a great it's a great way how they get out of it, and by using the sword and zipper. And but I want to talk about this little final climax, where they're using the cannon as a as a way to 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 now this probably wouldn't work in real life again, if this ship has really been under water for two hundred years, but Gadget wants to use the cannon to blow a hole in the boat to let out the treasure because it's been weighing the boat down and it'll flow back to the surface
1: yeah I... I'm not sure how saying that plan is, but meh, cartoon logic. Cartoon logic. But
0: I do like how, again, one of the things in, 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 in the series is we see various human objects being used for different purposes by the various rodents in in this world, like all of the junk that gadgets uses to make the submarine. The fact that the pirates use a musket on wheels as their cannon. I yeah, do, that I, is cute. Uh, Yeah, so they end up uh, blowing a hole in the ship, which puts it back onto the surface. No more treasure. But the point is that, oh, we're above the water for the first time in our entire lives. Now we can have real adventures like real pirates in their boat that's been underwater for 200 years and now has a giant hole in the middle of it. I don't think that ship is lasting much longer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They got just off screen and then sank again.
0: As a first episode, as this being the very first produced and aired episode of Chippendale Rescue Rangers, what do you think of this as an introduction to the series?
1: It's not bad. It kind of sets up the dynamic of the whole group, uh, what they offer to the team, uh, their individual personalities. It it's It's good.
0: As a first episode, this is not too bad. This is a great introduction to these characters. Like I said, you learn everything you need to know about all of these characters, which is what a first episode is supposed to do. So we move on to our, our next episode we're going to talk about here, listed on Disney Plus as Episode 7, Adventures in Squirrel Sitting, which does feature our one of our main villains of the series, Fat Cat. As our episode starts, the main crux of this episode is Fat Cat has stolen the Maltese mouse from the local museum. The the rescue rangers are chasing him. All of them end up crashing through this squirrel family's house and really mucking the place up. And Fat Cat gets away. And because they wrecked the squirrel house, the, the squirrel mom has to clean up. The entire mess and tells the rescue rangers to babysit their two children one that's very much baby-esque and one that looks to be teenager-esque and has a seemingly instant instant crush on chip because she thinks chip is so cool and and he's so brave and he must be the leader of the rescue rangers and all that
1: she immediately calls him chipper
0: which she hates like don't call me chipper <laughs>
1: Yeah and she immediately decides that gadget must be destroyed <laughs> which is probably the funniest part of it all she's competition that's a trope too you know
0: the the jealous girl that must get rid of all of the other female figures in in their 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 male love interest's life
1: yeah let's stop that trope because at this point there's there's not even really anything there between chip yeah, and gadget chip having a
0: crush on gadget is something that goes through the entire series dale having a crush on gadget as well so you have this squirrel girl who has a crush on chip chip who has a crush on gadget and he go you know he's going on how oh look how cool gadget is Look at all these cool inventions she made and and so Tammy, this little teenage squirrel, keeps saying, Oh Chip, you must have made all of these inventions and you're so cool. And he's saying, No, 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 no. Gadget made all the inventions. She's our she, she, she's our tech guru. She does all of this stuff. She's the cool one, not me.
1: Gadget, well, oh, they're not that great then.
0: The whole but the whole thing is that because she instantly has a thing for Chip, she wants to be a rescue ranger too. And Chip's saying, hey, uh, you're too young, you're inexperienced, let us handle all of this. Tammy wants to impress Chip, so she's decided she's going to get the Maltese Mouse herself. She's going to go to Fat Cat's lair, which causes more problems than it worth. If she had just stayed put, they would, you know, but we need to keep the plot moving. But it does lead to one of the best musical numbers in the series. Big Fat Daddy C.
1: Yeah. Fat Cat Stomp.
0: Oh, the Fat Cat Stomp. Yeah. So, yeah, we... Since now going back into... Going into Fat Cat's lair, Tammy, for some reason, has taken the baby squirrel uh, bink with her to get... Why? I don't know. But to get them both back, they have to sneak into Fat Cat's lair and they're disguising themselves as entertainment. Chip and Dale are, in, are dressed as showgirl or singing girls. And they sing the Fat Cat Stomp. It's a really good song for a weekday afternoon kids cartoon. So
1: baby, stop stompin', let's start with Big Fat Daddy C. It's as hot as jalapeno at Fat Cat's casino. That's the place to be. Do the Fat Cat Stomp with Big Fat Daddy it's It's weird, because, like... Dale is really into the drag routine or whatever. And Chip is like, Monty, what is this plan? Because there is no introduction to this. I actually rewound the episode thinking I had missed something. Because they were just like, oh, no, she's Tammy has run away to Fat Cat's lair to be a rescue ranger and try to get the Maltese mouse back. And then the next scene is them walking into Fat Cat's lair dressed as singing girls, like a singing duet, and Monty pushing a piano, going like, this will be great. They'll think you're the entertainment. And I was like, what What did I miss? There is nothing to prepare the audience for. This is the way we're going with this. They just blindside you with this moment of the three of them wandering in and start performing this song. Usually there's a moment in these bits where there's like a I've got a great idea. You put on these dresses and wigs and we'll go and then it's like no I'm not doing that. That's crazy talk.
0: You know. Smash cut to them doing it in the next scene. Yeah.
1: Smash cut to them doing it. Usually, there's like at least like five seconds of setup before you get the reveal. It skips all of that. This, yeah, this this just punches you in the face with like, nope, this is a drag routine now, and you're like, what? It's an interesting scene. It's not done as badly as it could be, uh, which I thank them for, but. It's it's not a bad song. Yeah, kinda catchy. So
0: like they're just the distraction. We need to make a distraction so gadget can go save the squirrel
1: kids. She saves Tammy, but Bink has decided to run off and eat a giant ice cream sundae that yeah, happens that, to that, have been served to Fat Cat.
0: That's Bink's entire character is bottomless stomach baby.
1: Yeah. Which, uh, fair, it's it's a trope for a reason. Mm -hmm. But that, unfortunately, gets them all caught. And Fat Cat decides he's going to take them down and turn them into cans of tuna.
0: Yes, Fat Cat's entire lair is a tuna processing factory. Which brings up the question, what's inside the tuna that you give your cat?
1: You know what, I don't even care. As long as the cat eats the the food. Do you know how difficult it is to get a cat to eat food sometimes? It's, they're such picky little snots. Anyway, you know, we get this whole thing of, you know, conveyor belt danger, which is, you know, classic trope. Mm-hmm. Fine. And they use their wits and a little help from Tammy and Bink to outwit Fat Cat ends and- up with with all the uh, the henchmen and Fat Cat being processed into cans of tuna.
0: But to show you that they're okay, they all poke their heads out of the cans so they can come back in the next episode. Yeah, because this is a kid show and we can't show anyone dying.
1: You know, the the whole episode wraps up with. Chip being all like, you know, Tammy, you, you'll make a pretty good rescue ranger one day, you know, just grow up a little kid and here's a hug and whatever. And Tammy just
0: turns it around and smacks a wet one right on him. Cast last roll credits. Yeah. So This one isn't too bad. Where you we, we chose this episode because this is one of the highest rated episodes in various fan polls.
1: Yeah, this shows up, if you look up best episodes of Rescue Rangers, this episode shows up on a lot of, like, top ten lists. I think it's solely because of the Fat Can Stomp. Yeah, that song probably is the thing that...
0: That's an earworm!
1: It is, and I think uh, Jim Cummings' performance of it is probably what What does it? Yeah. So,
0: other than that, it's a pretty average episode. And, yeah, other than... other than the fat cat stomp, there's not much memorable in this episode.
1: And, honestly, the stuff with Tammy lusting after Chip gets really annoying, mostly because it's predicated on her trying to insult gadget if it had just been she wanted to impress chip and she had a crush on chip that by itself would have been fine but it's i think it's the fact that they wrote so much of the episode around and she must absolutely destroy gadget that really hurts the episode this is
0: one episode I remember the most out of all of them. Is episode nine, Risky Beesness. The whole point of this episode is that we have a very selfish, very holier-than-thou Queen Bee, who gets her hive stolen by a scientist, Erwina Allen, whose p- plan is to use this bee hypnosis device to become a
1: rock star. This is such a bizarre episode. But interestingly, the, the main reason that we wanted to talk about this one was because this episode was written by Linda Wolverton. And Linda Wolverton also wrote beauty and the beast and co-wrote the lion king and uh helped to write mulan this was uh an early bit of of work for disney and then she went over to the the mainline animation, the film animation for Disney, and just absolutely slayed it for the Disney Renaissance. Uh, interestingly, she also worked on um, the Star Wars Ewoks cartoon, which is also on Disney and, Plus. And she worked on uh, My, My Little Pony, mm, the, uh, original? The, the original, yeah, My, My Little Pony. Dennis the Menace cartoon. Wow. And the the Popples.
0: You're just naming all the cartoons I watched as a kid. Uh,
1: the the Baronstein Bears cartoon. Garbage pale Kids. I mean, she had uh she had a career in children's animation before she went over to to Disney. A television um,
0: animation versus feature animation.
1: Yeah, yeah and then um, she uh, went over there, got hooked up with Disney, and then got hooked up with their their feature film line. And uh seems that feature film writing for Disney may have been her niche, because once she hit that, boy, did she hit that stride. I mean... You start writing feature films for Disney and you get nominated for an Oscar. So, um, you know, just just gonna say that. I wanna talk about Irwina Allen. Is it
0: because alright, so she's a scientist. She works at a bug extermination factory where they make pesticides and other bug poisons. And apparently her boss is fully aware of her. Dreams of being a rock star, because you know, once he goes into the lab and he sees there's musical instruments there he said, "Hey, we had to talk about this. Keep your daydreams at home. Don't bring them to work.":
1: Yeah, we should probably set this up for anybody that hasn't seen this episode in 30 years or whatever. She creates a machine that emits a sonic frequency that steals the drones from the beehive. To steal musical equipment to become her backing band for her rock star dream. That's her entire thing. She uses bees to rob a music store to steal rock instruments that they then play on stage to make her a rock star. That's that's her That's right out of 60s Batman. This this plot is too ridiculous for 60s Batman. Also, the other Adam plot... West is standing to the side going, Really? Really? That's that that's your supervillain gimmick? Are you kidding me with that? I am the Queen Bee, Batman. Yeah, no. No, no, you're not.
0: So Dale is watching, I assume, MTV?
1: Yeah. It would it would be MTV at the time, yeah. And he's listening to his favorite heavy metal band, Iron Goose. G- gotta love that name.
0: That's so many. That's a hodgepodge of so many different hair metal bands of the '80s.
1: Oh my goodness! And their costumes are amazing. There's just like one dude who's in like a like a leather mankini. <laughs> wandering around like the design of that band is so ridiculous it was like if the person who was in charge of designing this band had only seen a couple of professional wrestlers who had a hair metal band gimmick but had never seen an actual hair metal band
0: Maybe, and somebody- that's
1: what they drew because it it looks like professional wrestlers pretending to be a hair metal band in their costumes, but then, when they gave it to the voice actors, the voice actors had seen about five minutes of spinal tap and had also <laughs> never experienced a hair metal band. <laughs> So it looks like nobody involved in this episode actually knew what a hair metal band was, and they'd only seen, like, other people's parodies of hair metal band and decided to parody those parodies. (laughs) So it's like a third-hand parody of hair metal from people who've never seen hair metal. And it's just an absolute bizarre mess that somehow kind of comes back around and works again. I love it. I love it. I love everything about it. I, I'm I'm in Iron Goose Stan now. Sadly, we never hear them perform in this
0: episode. It's it's a crime. We no, we get the like five seconds of of guitar shredding as Dale is watching MTV and that's about it.
1: Yeah. But yeah, Irwina and the bees take them out. Lock them in a
0: closet and use honey to seal the... uh, They use honey to seal a lot of things in this episode. They use honey to seal the door. And when Irwina traps the queen and zipper in the saxophone, they use honey to seal that up too. I want to talk about Irwina's big costume where she's in this purple and gold... B costume. Like I said, she's dressed like a Batman villain. Yeah. She's got the- this cape that looks like B wings. And she has the hypnosis device as a helmet on her head.
1: The interesting thing is that um, the Fat Cat song from the previous episode is such a banger that it has its own like Disney wiki page. Erwina's song in this episode is such a dud, nobody even bothers to mention the name of it. It's not terrible. I think it's bad on purpose. Well, I mean, it's supposed to be bad, but it's just it's it's so horrible that everybody's like, yeah, she sings a song. It's fine. <laughs> it's like we're sings, gonna forget that song.
0: She sings a song about being a bee.
1: Yeah, it's a bee-themed love song, which is kind of odd. The The weird thing is, is that the noise she uses to control the bees is somehow less annoying than the weird little song that the actual queen bee sings to get her hive back.
0: Yeah, when at the beginning of the episode, we hear the, the queen bee singing, this all buzz, 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 buzz. There's this great battle in the middle of this episode where Irwina is using her little hypnosis sound versus the queen bees singing her little song from earlier in the episode. And it just constantly switches back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like one song cuts out, the other song cuts in and
1: And honestly, the, the sound coming from the little mind control thing is so much less annoying than the, than the little song the queen is singing. Can we talk about the the bee queen for a minute? Because her, her name is Queenie, I think they call her in the episode. Yeah,
0: yeah she it, starts out as this very spoiled, very hop, high and mighty queen. Like,
1: I'm prim and proper, and you must address me like a queen. And Zipper is immediately in love with her from the moment he sees her.
0: Another instant crush episode.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's only a 30 minute episode. You don't really have time for complex falling in love plots. But the thing is, is that she has been pampered her entire life. You know, she's never had to deal with anything.
0: Yeah, she has these two butler bees that kind of serve her hand and foot.
1: It is so weird that one of them is French and one of them is Italian. (laughs) Like, what is that about? Um,
0: It's it's a cartoon.
1: (laughs) Zipper is trying to do things for her and everything. And she's like, I'm thirsty. Bring me something to drink. And he brings her something and she's like, water, how common.
0: Yeah, this, and you know that's the other plot is Zipper trying to impress the queen. He tries to bring her flowers, and she says, "I'm allergic to common weeds." Yeah,
1: because because yeah, he, he just he just goes and gets you know wildflowers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like Monty's thing of like, well, you get what you pay for, I guess.
0: Yeah, um, if you pick free flowers, you yeah. know, I mean he. Monty's trying to play matchmaker, trying to be uh, Zipper's, you know, wingman. He's not very good at it.
1: There are some beautiful wildflowers, so shut up, Monty. The thing of, about it is is that eventually, you know, by the end of it, she's got, like, punk rock hair. <laughs> you know.
0: By the end of the episode, you know, she stopped calling... Zipper, a commoner, and just calls him by his name.
1: And this... by by the end of it, she, like, sends a thank you and a bunch of bees to fly around in a heart shape to thank him.
0: But, you know, if two chipmunks can try to hook up with a mouse, a fly can try to hook up with a bee.
1: That's very funny. A fly marrying a bumblebee. My my favorite part, though, is, is uh, during... My favorite visual gag is during the concert, uh, Erwina starts singing and her song is so horrible that one of the audience members tries to walk out and the bees grab him and fly him back to his seat and sit him back down. Well, that's one way
0: to, yeah. to, to stop hecklers.
1: He yeah, has like, well, you're a captive audience
0: now. Compared to the episodes we, we've seen, this is the one I remember the most. I think it's because it aired that much on the Disney Channel back in the day. Or is just, I just can't get that bee costume out of my head.
1: Yeah, the strangest thing is that this is one of the, the supervillains with one of the lowest stakes. Well, I mean, depending on how much that musical equipment was worth, maybe that bumps her up to a felony and some she did kidnap mild, an entire rock band my well i mean is it kidnapping it's like maybe that's false imprisonment i don't know but it's minor inconvenience of a rock band at best maybe i don't know it's like and like like we've we've seen
0: we, there are villains in this show that want to rule the world, they want to rule the city, they want to be the big gangster lord. She just wants to be
1: a rock star. It's like she wants to go to open mic night. It is like come on. <laughs> but uh it's not a bad episode.
0: The song could have been a little bit more memorable. The plot is simple, but I think it works here. Like I said, it's it's one of the episodes that I remember the most out of the rescue Rangers.
1: I did not remember this episode at all. And I, I just wanted to talk about it because of who wrote it, but it was fascinatingly bizarre.
0: (laughs) Kiki, I think it's time. It's time to come along. It's time to belong. It's time to feel the fizz. We are talking about episode 27 as it's listed on
1: Disney Plus, The Case of the Cola Cult. This is if you are going to remember one and only one episode of Rescue Rangers, you are going to remember this episode. There are so many people when when we started trying to figure out what to talk about for this episode and we were going around like you know hey did you watch rescue rangers what what episodes do you remember everybody i talked to was like i did watch that show i don't really remember anything about it except that there was one episode about a cult that worshipped soda
0: speaking of cults did you know that in Russia, there is a cult that worships Gadget? I did not know that. I've been saving that, that piece just, to, just for this point, because it is true. They worship the character of Gadget. So this, uh, this episode kind of fits into that. So let's talk about this, 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 this cola cult.
1: <laughs> First off, I don't know if a cult would actually call themselves a cult. Yeah, they're very, very upfront about the fact that they're a cult. Like, most cults don't call themselves cults. They call themselves
0: organizations, or this is a religion, or, you know.
1: We're just a social club, (laughs) you know. The way we meet them is very bizarre, because this is really a, you know, speaking of Gadget, this is a Gadget episode.
0: Yeah, so Gadget tries out her new invention, this Ranger Mobile, and it instantly starts to fall apart. Now Gadget, that's her entire thing, is that she makes things. She is the inventor of the group. Every little bit of Gadget that they have in their disposal was made by Gadget. And it, it is a bit of a running gag in the series that sometimes her Gadgets fail. They come up, they explode, they break apart. They don't act the way they're always supposed to. And this episode is kind of the culmination of that entire gag. As the ranger car malfunctions, they crash into the cuckoo cola factory.
1: The thing is, though, is that the, they get attacked by the cult's ninja branch, which, I think, mean, you know, good that they have a ninja branch. Nin- ninjas every, are always every... good. Every cult
0: needs ninjas, apparently,
1: yeah, you don't find that many cults with ninjas. More cults should look into that. Mm-hmm. Might help their PR they, then then we get the big giant uh muscle mouse that comes out, and uh then we get our cult leader pop top: I tripped on the pop top. well, it lost me a flip-flop. We're away again and margarita the thing is though is that then we find out that the big muscle mouse is named bubbles because of course he is
0: i mean he wouldn't be the only giant character named bubbles in disney go back to our uh lilo and stitch episode
1: that's true um th- that bubbles was better than this bubbles though Then we get all uh, our big reveal of all of the chanting mice in white robes. And then they're all segregated into different colors, depending on whether they go to the orange soda, the cherry soda or the grape soda.
0: So, yeah, one is orange and grape and the other is orange and cherry. A lot of orange.
1: Well, orange, orange soda is the best
0: i like orange soda who loves orange soda (laughs)
1: kale loves
0: orange soda is it true i do i do i do i do they they worship the cuckoo cola they worship this soda especially the commercial which is the one thing that a lot of people are going to remember of this episode is this commercial jingle.
1: Come along, you belong, feel the piss of Coca Cola. It's the colour for making you proud. You take another feeling, one of the crowd, feel the piss of Coca Cola. That is a banging commercial jingle. Whoever wrote that jingle, if they're not writing actual commercial jingles, they missed their calling because that, that is a, what, what, what's it been like 30 years and we are still, uh, I, I had people tell me that they still wake up with that in their head and it's not even for a real product.
0: So yeah, they 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 play the commercial. The mouses sing along to the jingle. They douse themselves with the sodas. It's mostly because of that line. Come along, you belong. All of these mice just want somewhere to belong. One of these mice is apparently like the richest mouse in the city who just gives away all of his riches to the cult.
1: They have this process where... You know, you put all your worldly possessions into a specially modified... Like, from the outside, it looks like a six-pack of soda cans. But really, it's just like a box that looks like that with a door. And then they dunk it into a vat of soda. And then all of your possessions possessions disappear and it's called getting fizzed
0: I mean I've heard what soda can do to metal I didn't know it worked that fast
1: uh spoiler alert it doesn't and then after that you are supposedly free of all of your previous concerns and you can take the soda shower at which point your clothes and hair will change colors to one of the colors of the three different flavors of soda and what kind of dye pu-
0: is put in the soda that it permanently dyes your clothes?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think Coca Cola might have some something uh, different than like yellow number five or whatever. You know. <laughs> like, so the um the 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 interesting thing about the cola cult though is that we don't really know what their beliefs are, other than give away your worldly goods and come sing this soda jingle in a group. I think it's one of those,
0: I mean, I, I'm i not sure either. I think it's supposed to be intentionally vague or as close to cult-like that they could get on daytime children's television. Because a lot of it comes down to as we get through the episode is a bunch of people just wanting somewhere to belong.
1: Yeah, the you belong seems to be the The thing is just give up your previous life and come belong with us. But Gadget is the one that falls into this cult because all of her inventions keep failing. It fails in ways that she can't quite explain, and she keeps saying, Oh, it shouldn't do that. It you know, she's working on one invention and it breaks down. Right as one of the cult members that they met previously shows up at their front door and says, I have something to tell you, and then bizarrely disappears before he can tell them what he wants to tell them, and the only thing left behind is a bottle cap slammed into the logo above their door.
0: That we also saw earlier that the ninjas were using. Yeah. Yeah. So they go back to the to the factory to figure out what's wrong.
1: In another new invention of gadgets, the gyromobile, with suction with cups on it, suction cups all around so that it can attach to the ceiling and everything. It's really cool, one of her better inventions. But it mysteriously starts to fall apart as they're on the ceiling, and it drops them onto the floor, and Zipper gets injured. No Zipper.
0: This seems to be the final straw for her. Yeah. Because she got Zipper hurt. Like, this is the first time anyone has ever gotten hurt as a result of one of her inventions. So she has decided that she will invent no more. And she's and since she is not the inventor anymore, she has nothing to offer the rescue rangers.
1: Yeah, but as she's kind of telling them that, like, hey, I'm thinking of leaving. All of a sudden, Myron the cult member shows back up randomly and passes out on their doorstep and gadget's like uh yeah you go take care of him i'm going to slip out the back door okay bye now forever okay and gadget goes off and she's like c- crying in a alleyway in the rain and she has nowhere that she
0: belongs She happens to run into the Cola Cult members, the pop top, and she says, Hey, you can always come with us. If you have nowhere to go, join us. And she does. She, much like we saw earlier, she gives away her possessions, her toolbox. She gets fizzed. She has the Cola drop on her. She sings the song, and it does nothing for her.
1: I mean, she's orange now, but other than
0: that. Now, as this is happening, Chipdale, Monty, Zipper, and Myron are going back to the cult one to get gadget back, and two because Myron has said, "Hey, there's something going on at this cult that isn't on the up and up as it, as they say they are. Something's going down, and I need your help to figure out what that is." And, and do-
1: they they end up getting trapped in the little thing that uh does the fizzing, you know,
0: that soda bottle box. The soda can box.
1: Yeah. And they discover that when you go in it, although I love Monty's thing as they're getting dunked in the soda, he's like, come on, it's just a a little bit of soda, boys. How much can you drink? And he starts guzzling soda, which I'm like, you know, points for trying there, Monty. Uh (laughs) But yeah, there's a
0: trap door at the bottom of this vat of soda that leads into... A treasure room, where all of the possessions that all of the Cola cult members gave away have been stored.
1: When the when the rescue rangers see all of this hoarded wealth, they are like, "Oh, Pop Top is running a scam." Bubbles comes in with Pop Top as the prisoner, and also Gadget. Because Gadget is not falling in line. And says, no, no, no. Pop Top believes in all of this. Bubbles was the one that figured out, no, no, no. We should be keeping all this stuff. It will make me rich. And he's like, eh, I'm just going to take over the cult now no more of this pretending uh i'm just i'm just going to take take over the cult with my army of ninjas and make everybody follow me and he also tells gadget it was me who has been sabotaging your inventions and so of course gadget now realizing that like oh wait you mean i am a smart inventor Uh, She starts uh, putting together a new invention because her tools are right there in the the room with all this stuff. And now she's taken the uh, destroyed ranger mobile and the gyro mobile that's lying around. And she builds the gyro tank.
0: Yeah, I love that. She also takes the the, the magnet device that that malfunctioned earlier, and turning it into a weapon. It is the scariest thing you want to hear an inventor say, and she says it as a threat. Who wants to see if this works?
1: Yeah. (laughs) This is one of Gadget's crowning moments of awesome. as she's just like, I have no idea if this is gonna work, but we're gonna find out. The cool thing is that Bubbles tries to take over the Cult and turn them into something more sinister and kind of bravo to the cult because it doesn't work. Myron comes in and reveals the secret, opens up the, you know, pushes aside the vat of soda and shows them the opening to the vault. And they're all like, hey, my stuff. That's kind of the end of the, the cult. The the interesting thing is that Pop Top is is like you know well, without the cult like we don't have anywhere to belong now and Gadget is like you know you guys can just get together and meet up and hang out as friends you know.
0: I mean it's it's a nice lesson at the end. It's a nice little moral like you know you don't need a reason to hang out with your friends. Just hang out with your friends.
1: Friends, right. Yeah, friends. What are those? <laughs> the th- this, is, this is such a fun episode. I was kind of worried that it wouldn't hold up, but it, it it really does. It's probably the best gadget-themed
0: episode of the entire series. And it makes Gadget out to be, like, this great
1: badass. Yeah, she is really cool, especially, especially at the end with the, the tank.
0: But yeah, the episode really does hold up, and it's probably one of the better... Episodes, especially of the episodes that we that we're going to be talking about in this episode, and uh, now the final episode we're going to talk about for this podcast, listed as episode thirty-one on Disney Plus, does Pavlov ring a bell? Which features the other main villain of the Rescue Rangers, Professor Norton Nimno. As I've said, every other episode of Rescue Rangers, it's either Fat Cat or Professor Nimno. Nimno being, like, the main human villain. He has the worst luck, because every time he tries to do anything, here are these four rodents and a fly that try to ruin his plans. Can you imagine trying to explain that to people? Like, you're, Let's say he goes to prison, and it's like, oh, how'd you get caught? Uh, two chipmunks, two mice, and a fly. Ruined my plans. It got me arrested.
1: Dude, are you high, baby? <laughs> <laughs> the um, the thing is, though, is that this one is uh, it starts out kind of interesting, where uh, it's another gadget-heavy episode, where she ends up uh in a lab. And ends up befriending a lab mouse.
0: A cartoon about a lab ma- a lab rat starring Tress McNeil? That'll never work.
1: <laughs> she she ends up befriending a lab rat named Sparky.
0: Which and, makes Chippendale very
1: jealous. Yeah. Um this is when this is at the point where we finally see that they have a crush on her, But both of them a little bit. Uh, by this point in the series. The other episodes didn't really show that. Uh, that we've talked about. Yeah this
0: the episode starts out. With both of them wanting to spend time. With her. Dale says oh let's go on a picnic. Today. Oh that sounds like a great idea. Come on guys we're going on a picnic. Wait everyone's coming? Yeah everyone's coming. So we get our next look at. Uh, Ranger Mobile 2.0. But yeah Chip and Dale end up fighting. As they're driving, because each one wants to give you know get gadgets attention, and as they're fighting, they drop this the the little pitcher of lemonade onto the battery that's powering the Ranger mobile, and it shorts out, leading them to to drag uh, the Ranger mobile to the backyard of what I assume is a Radio Shack, because this is 1990. Oh, Radio Shack, I miss you.
1: Oh, yeah, those, those exist. Yeah, that yeah, Radio Shack comes up so often on um, Young Sheldon because it's like his happy place. And I'm like, oh, man, I remember that. That used to be my happy place. And now it is gone.
0: And as they're getting the parts to fix the ranger mobile, they end up meeting this mouse named Sparky, Is it me, or is it? And he he intentionally doing a Doc Brown voice for this character. Oh,
1: he is so doing a Doc Brown. That is that is definitely supposed to be Doc Brown. Yeah,
0: as he is a lab rat and who gets experimented on.
1: The whole the whole thing is um the that Nimnol has this maze set up. If you go down the right path in the maze. It's fine, but if you go down the wrong path in the maze, you step on a little thing that shocks you. Or if you press the wrong lever, it would be a shock. If you press the right lever, it would be a food pellet. And we do see that in this episode. Yeah. Um, We see Sparky press, there's like a piano keyboard. (laughs) Um, And he presses the right notes, food pellet, presses the wrong notes, electric shock.
0: And uh, Sparky here has been shocked so many times that he has residual electricity running through him and he shocks people when they touch him.
1: Yeah, that's not really a thing that happens, but... It's a cartoon. <laughs> cartoon.
0: <laughs> and because he can do this he is able to use the residual electrical charge in his body to charge up the battery and they're able to power up the uh, the car again.
1: The thing is, is that The rescue rangers do not understand what's going on here. And Sparky and the other, uh, the guinea pig that is with him in the lab, Buzz, they are in awe of Nimnol. And at first we don't know it's Nimnol. It's just the professor. You know, the professor has taught us everything we know. The professor is, you know, he's helped our brains and he's made us really smart and, you know, the two of them absolutely uh, idolize uh, Nimnal for what they've been learning and like, well, you know, we mess up sometimes and all. But it gives you a real jolt and, it, you know, it helps your brain and helps your processing. And, you know, yeah, look, I mean, look how fast Buzz can run the maze.
0: Sparky is intelligent as he helps Gadget improve on one of her inventions which really ramps up the jealousy that Chip and Dale have for him. Like, they do not like him because not only in their minds he's moving in on their girl, she is genuinely interested in Sparky. She says that he works in a lab. I don't think he works in a lab.
1: Well, yeah. Uh, But but that's how they define it, because they don't know what's going on yet. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to see chip and dale competing for gadgets affections by trying to be like oh well we can run the maze faster and we can do you know
0: but when it comes to 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 buzz buzz says he needs his motivators these little sounds that will trigger the uh these instant responses moving without thinking as sparky says and they're explaining this as, you know, it's, it's genius. You can do things, but thinking takes too much time. If you just use your instincts, you'll, you'll do things faster. Hence, uh, like you said, they're in awe of the professor because he, he feels that like that's making them smarter. And then they find out that it is, in fact, Professor Nimno that's running the entire show. And Nimno's plan is to rob every bank in the city using this method because as he says a computer brain runs too slow but an actual living brain will process things just fast enough for his machine to work
1: it's interesting as as the reveal goes along you know okay well we've got a machine I like that the machine is built to look like a giant metal guinea pig. And I like as they're going like, well, okay, we've got the guinea pig ready to go. But what's the maze? And then they realize like, wait, it smells like sewers. And then they realize like, sewers are just a giant maze. He built the maze to mimic the sewers.
0: Yeah, the city sewer system. And it's kind of shown off earlier in the episode where you see that the maze is underneath a model of a city.
1: Yeah, it's it's a subtle thing, and it's easy to miss, but it's there.
0: We know what Buzz does, but what's Sparky's part in all this? Well, that's actually hinted earlier in the episode, as when they're watching TV and and the TV shorts out, it gives off this whistle that makes... Sparky kind of go kind of zone, zone out and uses and pulls electrical wires to cause a short circuit. That's where he comes in into the bank robbery scheme because Nimno leaves Sparky's cage in the bank and calls the bank after hours where he gets into the machine, blows a whistle that makes the same sound as we heard the TV buzz off out a buzz off with which causes Sparky to set off the bank alarm, which is what sets Buzz off in the the machine to run through the sewer system to break into the bank and steal the money.
1: But, you know, as an evil mastermind plan, I've heard worse. He could be taking over a concert in a bee costume
0: yeah yeah it's true
1: and i like how
0: how they set how they finish the how the how the, the resolution is is that chip decides to set off another alarm but it's an alarm clock which apparently makes the same sound as the bank alarm which sure okay and puts the clock in Professor Nimno's lab coat that causes the Buzz giant guinea pig robot to chase after Nimno. Nine-year-old me would have loved it.
1: You know what? 40-year-old me's fine with it, too. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's okay. It's a perfectly serviceable cartoon plot. And we do get some
0: resolution for Buzz and, and Sparky. Because after Nimnol is gone, I don't know if he gets arrested or not. We never see. It's implied that they are leaving town. They have gotten positions at as experimental rodents at MIT. You know what? They're happy. And is it in this one scene that we get the only instance of Gadget having any affections towards Sparky? He kind of gives him some some little flutter eyes as they say goodbye.
1: Don't fall in love with a rescue ranger; you will never be seen again.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we've, we've already had three episodes of what happens when you fall in love with a rescue ranger. I mean, it's it's there. There's also the implication where where Chippendale kind of uh, relent, like you know, hey, you know, gadget, if you like him more. You know, you can go be with him if you want. You know, they're, they're thinking of Gadget. You know, hey, they they know that she likes him, so like you know, hey, if you wanna, if you wanna go with him, you can go with him. And she doesn't because you know, one, she's a rescue ranger, she's not gonna give up the mission, unlike the last episode. And also, Chip and Dale are her friends, and she's not gonna abandon them. But all in all, it's a pretty good episode. I I did like it, and it's. It's a nice change of pace to
1: sh- have Gadget have affections for somebody. Yeah, and he's he's a pretty good match for her as well. So I mean,
0: he's a little scatterbrained, but uh she's um she's okay with that. Yeah. So based on these five episodes, Kiki, does Tippendale Rescue Rangers have the magic?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I th- I think it was a, a good show overall. There's enough there that is still holds up in the rewatch. I mean, not every episode is an absolute winner, but, you know. I'm going to be
0: honest. I did not enjoy this as much as I enjoyed Darkwing Duck. But of these episodes that we did watch, I did like them. They were really good. And I wouldn't mind revisiting this in the future. So let's move on to next week. Kiki, next week is the beginning of May. And uh, you know what time it is. It is time for us to once again venture into that galaxy far, far away. We wrap up the original trilogy with Return of the Jedi. (sighs) Ah...
1: Star Wars time.
0: Yeah, Ewoks! It's
1: the most wonderful time of the year.
0: We're going to be talking about Ewoks.
1: I like Ewoks. Bite me.
0: (laughs) So come back next week for Star Wars Return of the Jedi, and we will talk to you all next time. Bye.
1: Bye. You're in a cult. Call your dad. Don't let the magic stop here.
0: Join our conversation online on Facebook at Rewatching the Magic. Twitter at Rewatch the Magic. And of course, new episodes every week at RewatchingTheMagic.podbean.com.
1: Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it.